Welcome to the Oasis Revival Ministry podcast and sermon of the week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Daniel McGear. For more sermons or info regarding our church, visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za. I'm speaking today about God's your good name. Say, I have a good name. If your mom didn't give you a good name, at least Jesus does, right? So, <laughs> Psalms 20 says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. And may the name of God, just get this, may the name of God, may God's full identity, hello? <laughs> may God's fullness, that's what that means, set you up on high and defend you. And today we're doing new membership and it says yes, send you help from the sanctuary. Where's the sanctuary? All right, where, where can I just see where's the sanctuary? Just show me, all right. Not just in here, but look around you. Look around you. Yeah, here's the sanctuary. Okay, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the body is the sanctuary. The habitat where God dwells, right? And so, where does God send help from? From the sanctuary. Okay? Are you with me? And support, refresh, and strengthen you from Zion. I heard someone say, Ah, I don't like coming to church at 9.30. Doesn't fit my lifestyle. Hello? If you're looking for refreshment... If you're looking for support, this is the best place to get it. Someone say amen. amen. Okay. I'm just, just with you. And strengthen you from Zion, from God's presence. Remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. And it says Selah, which means page on, quickly read the next verse. Thank you, Pamela. Pamela is with us in spirit. All right? It means think about that. What does that mean? If God remembers your burnt offerings and your sacrifice, I like to think of it as a, at that point, God just wants to check our hearts a little bit. Whenever you see the word sila, tell yourself, God just wants me to weigh my heart. How many of you ever thought about it that way? So we read a powerful psalm and it says, Selah. In other words, let me just, I'm not going to weigh myself on the scale. But I'm going to weigh my heart. There's a heaviness to that verse that God wants to highlight. And he wants to test it in our hearts. Amen? You guys look like it's the middle of winter. <laughs> so God wants to weigh our hearts. So we're going to weigh our hearts with regards to God will help you and send you support by remembering your sacrifices. Ooh, let's weigh the hearts. <laughs> no condemnation. All right? I agree. No condemnation. But, but God wants to weigh the heart. It's like, a, you know, on the N1, there's a weigh bridge. 
And if you drive a truck, you can't get past that way bridge without first weighing the load, right? So now you can't get past that verse without just checking what's in the heart. Okay. Bross, that was for you. All right. Psalms, Proverbs 21. Well, let me just say this. Offering is an indication and a manifestation of our desire. It's an indication and a manifestation of the desire of our hearts. So God sends his help according to the desire of your heart. Can I say that? Because what you're pouring your life into is what you desire. Where you are spending most of your resources, where you're giving most of your time, where you're giving most of your energy, that displays the love you have in your heart. Why is it quiet in here? People just go, yes! I okay. Where you spend most of your time reveals the position of your heart. Okay, some of you are like, yeah. Some of you are like, I hope that's not true. Some of you are like, yes. <laughs> okay, but there is no greater reflection and revelation of who your heart is than where you pour out your money and where you pour out, I don't even want to say the word money, but where you pour out your resources. That reveals the heart. That's your offering. That's what you have to give. And so God's weighing that. And he says in Proverbs 21 verse 2, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs and tries the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to God than to give sacrifice. So God is weighing us and he's saying, will you do what is righteous? Over and above, will you give a sacrifice? Because you see, someone who does something they consider a sacrifice, a sacrifice is is aina, right? Are you with me? Sacrifice is not lacquer. And so when you sacrifice it hurts, but what if you were already actively involved in the area that God wanted you? Then when you give more of that, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It just feels more of God's goodness. Wow, yes, please, I want to give more time into that. I want to put more money into that. I want to invest in that. And you find yourself doing what is righteous. Over and above sacrificing. You see, when you came to God through the law, when, when the old times, when the Jewish people, when, when they came to God through tradition and through law, they brought a heavy sacrifice. They slipped that kui <laughs> to the friend. They were like, <laughs> and they would sacrifice. And God's not interested 
in that kind of a sacrifice. God just said to me, as I was spending time thinking about it, said someone with a broken identity tries to appease or satisfy God through sacrifice. Someone who has a broken identity will try and appease or satisfy God through a sacrifice. And you know what? They don't just try and appease or satisfy God. They try and appease people around them through sacrifice. I had someone once say to me, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll even clean toilets for you before repenting and before restoring the trust that was broken. How many of you know, I don't want my toilet clean. Thank you very much. <laughs> you with me? That doesn't solve anything. And God is the same. He's like, you don't need to clean toilets and whatnot to get back into relation with me. I'm looking for people who are willing to say, let's be righteous. Let's do righteous things. Let's do, and by righteous, I'm talking about God's intent for us as people. When God created us, he said, go multiply and take dominion of the earth. And then we've got some people going, <laughs> and their identity has been broken. And they're not able to take dominion and, and have fruit and see fruit reproduced and growth. And, 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 and then out of this decision to try and appease, they're trying to sacrifice to God. And God says that doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> but there's a better way. Are you with me? What is that better way? And Proverbs 22 says, and this is what I read in the beginning uh, with our offering, it says, a good name is rather to be chosen than riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. And when I thought of a good name and loving favor, I thought of two areas in our lives which which shouldn't be in our lives. And so I'm preaching today to the body of Christ. And, and I'm saying this is for those other people out there, right? Hello? Just a joke? Okay. Oh. But the two areas that God wants to break, two spirits. And I don't mean demons or spirits. By spirit, I'm referring to a condition of the heart. And, and the first area he wants to break, he wants to give you a good name. He wants to break the spirit of comparison on your life. With, man, God wants to give you a good name. And he said in the spirit, he just said to us in this last month as we've been you know, thinking about where we're going and being attending conferences. And, and God spoke at one of the conferences and he says, I am breaking. And he demonstrated the breaking of the spirit of comparison. And we all know when we read all the Facebook memes that say, don't compare yourself to anyone else. But when we go into the root, there's this little thing in our heart that wants us to continually compare ourselves. And we're not comparing ourselves like, yeah, you know, he's, he's got a bigger car. And, uh, it, it's about identity. We compare ourselves at identity level. And so Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and you can read about it in Luke 22, verse 23 to 26. And um, that's the reference, but I'll just tell you what happened. And Jesus is 
literally at the Passover. It is his last meal in the flesh before he gets crucified. He knows it. They don't know it. It's his last. I mean, in other words, it's like a teacher in matric. The last class before exams, and I never see you again. Some teachers are like, amen. <laughs> Some students are like, amen. It's the last class with the disciples. And he says, um, someone's going to betray me. And then you know what happens? The class fails the test. They start comparing themselves to each other. How would you feel if you're Jesus? They're like, you know, John's going to be better. or Peter's better. And, and they start actually fighting about who is better. Like, my kids already know not to do that. There's this debate going on. And, and I can just see Jesus going... We're leaving the kingdom to these people. <laughs> like, I've just demonstrated the, the ultimate life. Like, they've seen, the, they've literally spent three years with God in the flesh. Idiots, you know. <laughs> I think some teachers are like, we're leaving our country to these people, you know. <laughs> Grace, man, that's really, it's like grace. We can't explain it, supernatural restoration, something's going on there. <laughs> and you know what, I don't think they were comparing themselves like this, going, I'm better. And then Peter's like, I'm better. You know what I think they were doing? I think they were talking amongst themselves, and they were like, I, I really like Peter better. Hey, what do you think? And the other disciples are like, you know, I think John is actually, and then they're starting to, and we still do it today. Like, I, I really just prefer Bill Johnson, you know. He's the ultimate pastor. He's like next to Jesus. I'm not belittling Bill Johnson, right? And then someone else is like, yeah, but I like so-and-so and so-and-so. And, and, and already there's these divisions and these comparisons based on which human leader fits our perspective. As the scripture says, to every man who thinks, every man thinks his way is right. <laughs> and so, yeah, the disciples are, and they're according to what they think is right. They're comparing who is the greatest. And Jesus says to them, he says, you know, in the Gentile world, the Gentiles make a dynasty surrounding their greatest leader. So their greatest leader in the Roman Empire would be almost equal to God-like. You know, like when you're gaming and you hit God level, you know. It was a joke. I was teaching guys how to read my sarcasm, you know. So. <laughs> and, and, and so what happened is this, the, the, the Gentiles would put so much honor on someone that they would give them full authority even over their lives. 
And God says that's what the spirit of comparison does. It belittles ourselves so that we can give someone else authority over our lives because they are greater. Amen? And you're like, I don't do that. (laughs) But think about all of the physical people you've hoped in in order for them to change your life. Instead of trusting that God would give you a good name and make you an influence. You with me? All right, so that's, he wants to give you a good name. And he says, and loving favor. So the loving favor speaks about demonstrating his loving favor, which in this area he wants to break the spirit of poverty. Spirit of poverty isn't just about money in the pocket, but it's about a deep belief that God has called you and he favors you. And it speaks as well about the orphan heart and the orphan spirit where children of God don't see themselves as children of God. They don't see themselves as favored. I actually just want to quickly read um, something and what we'll do is we'll post a, a link to it on Facebook. So just go there. But Chris Vallotton wrote about the poverty mindset. And he, he basically says here, let me just get to this. An orphan mentality may be subtle and slip in with a tinge of anxiety or it may send you into a downward spiral of fear, grasping at any straw to feel like you are in control. It whispers subtle lies and convinces you that you must in your own strength find a solution to your problems or strive to keep up your place of promotion. In the mountaintops and the valleys, poverty stalks and tries to convince you that you're still an orphan and that you must take care of yourself on your own strength. Why? Because the enemy wants to keep us in a poverty mentality because he is keenly aware that when you know you're a child of the king, you are unstoppable in the kingdom. And he's saying, I want to give you loving favor so that you will know with all of your heart that you are unstoppable in the kingdom. And that God is opening up all the resources in the kingdom so that you can take hold of it and conquer it, not by your own sweat and toil, but conquer it empowered by the Holy Spirit's calling on your life. It's that humility that we read and spoke about that says, I am a child of God. Humility is to deny that you are, no, not humility, pride, is to deny that you're a child of God and that you are in control of your life over and above God's influence in you. It is denying that you're a son. But humility says, I am a child of God. And it's a powerful, if overly repeated, it cannot be, but it, 
It is a powerful confession of your identity and your name in Jesus Christ, which says you have the keys and all the doors to the kingdom in all of its fullness. Say it with me. In all of its fullness has been unlocked so that I can reach in and take hold of it. And God wants to break these two spirits. The one relies on the other. The spirit of comparison actually comes and is a manifestation of the spirit of poverty. poverty, Where your whole life you have believed. You have thought, I cannot do this. I am not worth it. I wasn't called to be special. I wasn't called to stand out. I wasn't called to advance the kingdom. And for the rest of my life, I will merely be the sum of everything that happens to me. (laughs) Instead of, I will influence and inspire and drive the kingdom into places it's never, ever, ever, ever been before. (laughs) See, Jesus didn't call you a light, light lightheartedly. You with me? (laughs) He didn't go, you're a light. No, no, no. When he says that, he's prophesying the fact that you, say your name, me, Daniel, Laura, Pamela, Zoe, whoever, (laughs) say it. I am a light. Come on. And light, is it not the most powerful source of energy that exists? I'm not talking about physical. I'm I'm talking about God's light. (laughs) It is the most powerful source of life. Scripture actually puts it that way. Where the Holy Spirit shines through you and your whole life has been called and made up to break open darkness, bring in understanding, release wisdom. Isaiah, you know, Isaiah, is it 60 or 61? I think it's 60. To, to break the chains of blindness and restore sight. To heal the brokenhearted. <laughs> That's you. You have that name. You have been called into that kingdom. That is your job. So, if you try and achieve something outside of the kingdom, you're going to achieve nothing. Watching Tour de France, I was so enjoying it. I'm like, this is amazing. And then suddenly I was like, wait a minute. These are just guys sitting, riding, going round and round on steel frames, on little rubber wheels. And every year they do the same and they end up in the same place. And there's a guy with gray hair who's the race director. And he plans this whole thing every year. But in the end of the day, it's nothing. Okay? Now, please don't feel condemned. To this afternoon, I'm going to watch Tour de France. (laughs) Okay? But I'm talking about the fact that (laughs) when you think about it, The physical things you do, 
mean nothing. It's the spiritual stuff that we're involved in. It's the, the physical acts that come from deep. What is Tour de France all about? It's about the ability to overcome. The ability to, not in Lance Armstrong's way, but, okay, he used drugs, people, for seven years. That's why I'm, all right. It, it, it's about overcoming what you didn't think was possible. Yeah, you can take a lot, I didn't even think about, working as a team and all of those things. But it's about reaching your fullness and that the physical things are merely examples of what's going on inside, inside your heart, inside your spirit. Are you with me? It's such a difficult thing to speak about because we live in a physical world. And there is a lie that's gone out that says what is physical is evil and what is spiritual is good. And that's a lie. God wants to demonstrate his goodness here on earth amongst us. So that you can see and feel and taste and hear. It's why he gave you senses. And that's why he speaks through his senses. He says taste and see that God is good. He wants you to stick your tongue into God's goodness. <laughs> he wants you to, to taste it. He wants you to hear it. He wants you to smell it. He wants you to experience God's goodness because you are a child of God. The spirit of poverty warns us here with regards to the spirit of, of well not the spirit of poverty can't warn us, but there is a warning here in Proverbs 23 that basically warns you to look out for who is influencing your lives and why are they looking to influence your lives. If you look at Proverbs 23, it says, When you sit down to eat with the ruler, consider who and what are before you. If you're looking for someone to influence your life and you want to get close to them, when you get close to them, consider why they are with you. Consider deeply who and what is in front of you so that you don't give your heart to something that might not be God. It says, for then you will put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to desire. But no desirous, no desire, but be not desirous of his dainties, for it is deceitful food. Weary not yourself to be rich. Cease from your own human understanding. Will you set your eyes upon wealth when suddenly it is gone? For riches certainly make themselves wings like an eagle that flies to the heavens. Everyone goes, yes, amen, that's such a great word. <laughs> you see... There's this tension in our hearts where we want to see the kingdom. We want to see his goodness. But sometimes our eyes just slip off and we're like, if only I had that, my life would be okay. If only I didn't have to make this monthly payment, my life would be okay. If only I worked in that place. If only I experienced that, then my life would be okay. And God's saying your life can only be okay if it's rested and rooted in me. <laughs> and people, there are zero shortcuts. Z zero. Say it with me. 
There are zero shortcuts. There is godly favor. But you're not going to meet someone and then have your whole life changed if that person is meeting you for the wrong reasons. <laughs> so be on God. See, some people are so desperate for change, they give their lives to the first person that comes their way. And they haven't considered who and what is sitting before them and why they're willing to give so much. I know of good testimonies where people's lives have been transformed in an instant. But let me tell you what. <laughs> you have to be careful about who you say. The Bible actually says it's better to keep quiet because the moment you say something and the moment you agree to something, you actually cause your body physically to be bound by the words you say. In other words, that if you act or don't act on based on what you said, you find yourself in sin. Does that make sense? If you make a promise you can't keep, you're living in sin. You with me? No condemnation. It's just fact. And so often we get tempted to say yes too quickly because we think that person is going to be the key. I hope I'm reaching someone today. <laughs> we say yes too quickly because we hope that person is going to solve my problems. Not realizing that the wealth that is offered is deceitful and has the sole purpose of robbing you of your identity. See, the spirit of poverty traps people. How many of you know those who are in desperate poverty are easy targets for those looking to use and abuse? Because they'll say yes to anything. See, the wisdom of God says, I have a good name. And I'm not going to give my name for something that doesn't come from God. I'm not going to sign on the dotted line unless I know God is in this. Unless I know God has called me. I'm not going to be quick to hand it over, give it over, commit, get involved until I know God has called me. Until I know God has put me in this place. <laughs> He's doing something. He's breaking something in our hearts. He's saying, come on, rise up, wake up out of that spirit of depression. Rise up out of the hole you've been into. Rise to new heights. Into the name, into the good name that you have been called into. Let's go back to Psalms 20. And yeah, just some amazing promises for us. Come on, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you bless us with your good name. I pray, Lord, that even as I'm speaking now, that people's hearts are being transformed inside. That they're desperately, that we're desperately reaching out, saying, God, I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter, and I want to experience the fullness that you have. Thank you, Jesus, for your life. Thank you for your wisdom. Verse 4, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill your plans. Whoa. Hello. The orphan says, I just want to do God's will. Because I don't have a will of my own. I haven't spent enough time planning, thinking. I don't even believe I have a will. Can you, can you hear the voice? 
Can you hear the difference in voice? It says, God will grant you according to your heart's desire and according to your plans. Because when God created you, he trust, entrusted you with enough kingdom to know that you will make the right plans according to the kingdom. Someone say, I can do it. <laughs> no, yeah. I think only one person in this room, and it's me, believes it, right? <laughs> Just let God weigh your heart there again. God will grant you according to your heart's desires and fulfill all your plans. I've experienced sitting for years waiting for God to change my life. And then one day God said, so what are you planning? What are you thinking? What's your plan? Because, you see, God's not going to invest in something that doesn't have a plan. He's a good businessman, you know that. How many of you have had a business idea, gone to the bank and said, I have no idea what my business idea is? I promise you, it's going to make millions. <laughs> You're laughing, and then we go to God. God, I don't know what to do with my life. I have no idea what. Will you just come and just like, give me millions? Hello? God is a good businessman. If you're faithful with little, you'll become faithful with much. Because if, you're, if you've been faithful with the small plans, you're going to have bigger plans. There's no, there's no gray area here. Either you're in it or you're not. Okay, so now we've prayed we're in it, right? So, <laughs> God will grant you according to your heart's desires and fulfill your plans. And then it says this, we will shout in triumph at your salvation and victory. Come on, the church needs to wake up with this revelation. That we haven't just become Christians by our salvation. Can I say that again? We're not just Christians because of our salvation. We're Christians because of our salvation which leads to victory. In where? In every area of our lives. And yeah, I just read it and interpreted it this way, that here is the church. We will triumph and we will shout at your salvation and at your victory. And every time someone gets saved, we like to quote the thing that, you know, the angels are rejoicing in heaven. But what about the church here in the seats rejoicing about every salvation and about every story of victory and triumph? That this church will develop such a culture of testimony and victory. That we will shout it out and say, God has brought us from salvation He's opened up our eyes, brought us out of death, brought us out of lies, and now we see, oh, we're walking in victory. In 
every, every situation. Not some. See, the moment we say, oh, you know, I'm not good at that, then we go back under the orphan spirit. God didn't make me to be profitable. I'm not good at admin. That's why the tax man is after me. <laughs> right? I, I, I'm really not good at admin. Okay, me, Daniel. Okay, ask my mom. It's the one place she's allowed to go, amen. Okay. <laughs> but that's true. Paul Manwaring said, you are administrators of the kingdom of God. <laughs> I just, when he said that and we were in a conference, I was like, I received that and I break the lie of my life that I'm not good at admin. I'll find creative ways to do what I couldn't do before. Someone's laughing there. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Razine, I thought we were friends. <laughs> In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. Did you see our banners in the front there? Right. Okay, there you go. Prophetic word fulfilled. Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. And he will answer him from his holy heaven with the, from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust... Oh, you see, you know this verse, huh? Some trust in chariots. And they boast in their horses, but we will trust in and boast in the... Say that again, just with a deeper understanding. We will trust in the... Name. Come on, we will trust in the... Name. In other words, in His identity, in His authority, in His favor, that He has given me and you, us. He's given us his name. It's so deeply ingrained in your heart. It is so a part of who you are. It is part of your DNA. And you can trust either in the physical things that you have. You're not going to get far. But when you trust in God's identity in you, man, you're going to reach the corners of the earth that no one ever imagined you could reach. You can do things that are far above. You know, you might be super successful already and God's saying, but you know what? I have a greater plan for you. See, this is what we spoke about last week with regards to David. David was, he was at the pinnacle of his career. He was the boss. He was the king of Israel, and he was the king of Judah. He had the castle. He had the women. This is God's words. I've given you all of Saul's wives. I've given you his castle. You can have his Lamborghini and Ferrari in the garage too. All his horses, okay, and camels, and armies. And you stood there and you said, that's not enough. And you looked over the wall and you saw Bathsheba. 
And God said, if you had told me that was enough, I'm willing to give you double what you already have. See, it, it's this place in the heart that says, I am a son. I am a daughter of God. And God has blessed me and given me all the keys to the kingdom. Amen. Awesome. Let's just stand and just seal that. Father, we just declare this as a prophetic word. (laughs) That you will grant according to our heart's desire and you will fulfill all of our plans. Just say that with me. Father, will you grant according to my heart's desires and will you fulfill all my plans? No, man. No, no, no. We've got to say this out loud. Father, will you grant (laughs) according to my heart's desire... (laughs) And fulfill all my plans. (laughs) Come on. Father, we will shout out your salvation and your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up a banner. (laughs) The banner of God's love that testifies and declares that God loves me. Come on. Now I know. That the Lord saves, He's anointed, and I am His anointed. I have been called, I have been destined, I have been created to take the kingdom to places in the world it's never been before. I will see the kingdom established in my family. I'll see the kingdom established in my workplace. I'll see the kingdom established in our economy. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. We will trust and boast in the name of God, in Jesus Christ, who lives inside of us. Amen. All right, so you've all declared that. We're going to hold you accountable to that. All right? (laughs) We want to hear testimonies. We want you to come up and say, man, I have seen victory in this place. And and I want to encourage you to write down the areas you want to see victory in. Write down the areas that, that you haven't had victory in, that you have believed it's not possible. Put it up. The word says put the vision up on the wall so that all may see it. Place your vision somewhere. I've, we can, Bernadine and I have so many testimonies of when we've written it down, it's been answered. Because it's only when you write it down and put it up that you truly believe it's going to happen. Does that make sense? Write it down, put it up. We're going to shout out your testimonies of salvation and of victory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.